Hey everybody, welcome to the Libertarian Tex-Mex podcast. I'm the Libertarian Tex-Mex, Cesar Aguirre. It's been a while. Um, I haven't done a podcast in, I would say, several months, but it has been a crazy month, crazy several months, as as you know. We're dealing with a lot of things going on, and, uh, you know, to be honest, just had to uh, put this on the back burner to take care of life. You know, um, luckily nothing super um, life-threatening, well, besides the coronavirus, but in terms of me personally, um, nothing too crazy in the sense that, you know, my work just increased tenfold, so I was a little bit overwhelmed, but also taking care of uh, uh, my wife, my house, um, trying to navigate through this new, new way of living, um, definitely very difficult. And then obviously, uh, I'm sure as many of you have probably experienced as well, um, just the ups and downs of energy, right? Because I think if you're in, you know, in a, anywhere in a, in a zone, a hot zone, like I am in, in the Houston area, um, <clears throat> there's some real threats of going out. Um, and so you have to put a lot of more effort and energy into being able to even just go out. Um, and then for the most part, you know, we're staying home, um, only leaving when we need to, or if we have just have to get out. Um, and that takes a toll on your energy, right? And your emotions. And I think, you know, the ups and downs that we're all feeling, um, is definitely a part of that journey that we're all going through. So, um, it took a little bit of time, um, uh, for me to figure out this new, you know, um, way of energy uh, that is that is being presented right meaning like your peaks of energy like when you have the energy to muster up and do something um, or what you put your time into what's uh, what's going to be the focus now and I think that definitely all changed for a while or I think for a while it was a little bit I know me personally um, I think you know, I had a lot of stress going on in terms of just overall stress, not just work, but work, um, you know, um, work, family, you know, the world in general, you know, a lot of that pressure building up. And I think for me personally, a lot of it was about um, accepting this reality that we're in, that we're not where we were, you know, January, February, right? We're in, we're in this new world. And what does that mean, right? What does that mean in terms of my personal habits? Um, what does that mean in terms of my goals? And then obviously um, it's, you know, made a pretty big impression test on our political views. Um, and uh, I think everybody's been on Facebook to see that, or social media in general, to see that politics and, and our, our political bias everyone um, is dominating the conversation, you know. And I don't want to say, like, I can't say that it, this is, you know, the first time in history that po- politics is, is running the gamut of topics. Um, there's plenty of, of examples in history where that's happened. Uh, but I would say that the, you know, we, if anybody's been out there engaging in politics for the last 10, 20 years, 
you definitely know that it's been dialing up and up and up. And then finally we just hit a pressure, you know, a, a pressure cooker point where now it's like insane. And then you take on top of that, you know, people at home more, people getting on social media more, um, feeling that the stress and the pressure of things going on, um, you know, you and you can see that, right? It's either, you know, there's a pressure of, um, we're, you know, locking down too much or people losing their jobs. So there's an economic pressure there or on the other side um, in terms of medical, right? That there is a, a real viral spread that is, you know, could harm us health-wise. So people are worried about that as well. So there's a lot of things that not just, not e- not even on just both of those topics, but all the things that add to that, right? Family pressure, uh, financial pressure, um, like you said, you know, emotional pressure, that type of thing. All of it is at an all-time peak, um, and we're all trying to go through it. So, you know, um, before I get into things, um, just want to say that I, I know, I mean, you know, we're all human. We all go through that. We all feel pressure. We all feel angst. We feel aggressive. We feel depressed. We feel sad. We feel happy. We feel all those things. And um, I think one of the things that we have to keep in mind is when we're getting into those topics of politics or, you know, world events, keep that in mind when you're going through that stuff. You know, uh, it's kind of like a check yourself, right? Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Um you definitely want to be aware of where you are emotionally. And sometimes it's not always in a good spot, right? Sometimes we are already feeling angst or we're feeling, you know, um, sadness or whatever it is. And then we engage in Facebook and then that emotion is just driving our conversations. So keep yourself in check. Um, and I say that uh, to myself as well because, um, um, you know, me, I've, been engaging in so much conversation um, on those two pillar topics, right? The economy and the coronavirus um, and the impacts that we're feeling. So we're definitely in a a territory that that we haven't really experienced. You know, these last, you know, two, three, four generations um, have not experienced. So we're going through um, something relatively new, right? The last people that went through, you know, a pandemic, um, an economic depression that we are getting to, they are in the elderly group. And unfortunately, the elderly group is is dying off because of coronavirus. So the people who actually have the experience who have been through this are 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 passing. And I think that that presents a, a unique problem in the sense that, you know, we none of us have have gone through this, and we are learning as we go. And 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 hopefully, you know, we can look at our history books. We can look at a lot of that stuff, and you know, hopefully, take from those wisdoms about what people did and didn't do to get through those things. But I definitely think this new twenty twenty um, world is definitely making us rethink about what we value. And I think that's a good thing, right? I think libertarians have already been on that path um, in terms of what are our core beliefs as, in the political sense, but also personally, right? What are our personal views? Do we want people to um, have those 
that capability to live the life they want to, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And what does that mean, right? Um, at the core of it, you know, I don't think any libertarian, and obviously, you know, libertarians are kind of laissez-faire in the sense that it, you can do what you want as long as you're not hurting other people. Um, but I think for the most part, libertarians are fairly um, frugal, I would say. Not frugal, but it's definitely like, I don't, I don't know any libertarian that's about just blowing their money on things. Um, and I think most libertarians um, want to have stability in the home. Uh, they want, you know, uh, some good, healthy family dynamics. Um, and I don't think that is specific to, uh, you know, same, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, opposite sex. I think maybe we, I think we understand that same sex marriages or um, whatever the dynamic is, doesn't really matter, right? As long as we are having a healthy home that's supporting um, the environment, right? And um, I think that has really cued in recently, right? It's who are our core um, network of people that we can depend on. And sometimes it's family, sometimes it's friends, sometimes it's a partner, uh, whatever it is, we know that uh, we need that right now and we need to help each other out, right? And this is just even before we talk about, you know, politics or, you know, libertarian topics like government intervention or, or regulation. All that stuff is so, like, so way down the line, you know? And I think that's one of the things that, you know, in terms of the libertarian principles, um, that idea that the individual is responsible for their own safety, their own health, their own protection, that at the core, regardless of whether there is uh, a government to support or not support that, you should be doing those things on your own, right? If you can, right? And if you can't, then we need to get us, we need to get ourselves to that position, to that point. Um, and then if we see others struggling with that, then we also should find a way to volunteer the assistance to help other people. And that's before we even talk about if it's a government program or not a government program, right? Um, once we get into those nuances, then we have to look at it and go, is this effective? Is it not? Is there a better way to do this, right? Um, obviously, all those things we get into as libertarians, but I think right now we definitely are honing in on our core values, right? It could be our network, our family and friends, um, helping our community, you know, um, not over overspending, right? I mean, you look at what we talk about libertarians in, in budgets. Um, we t always talk about government not overspending, right? That they have a balanced budget, all that stuff. You guys better be doing the same thing, right? Um, looking at all your expenses, looking at stuff and going, do we need this? Do we not? Is it excess? You know, can we get rid of it? All those things on the personal finance side that we say the government should be doing, you should be doing as well, right? Don't, not, you know, especially right now, right now that we're kind of in tough waters economically, you know, are you blowing your money on stuff that you shouldn't be, right? Maybe we should take a couple less trips, you know? Maybe we should um, start making coffee at home instead of Starbucks, you know, stuff like that. Um, how much money we're putting away in savings, 
etc right so all that stuff is absolutely very important um and um that's the same stuff that we expect from our government right to be um to have good sound money principles um to help people um and making sure that our programs are, are working the way they should be, um, both in the short term and long term, right? So you take that and you have a dynamic view of how libertarians see things. And that's when we get into the coronavirus um, right now. We'll talk about the coronavirus and then the economy because they're both they're both inextricably, inextricably linked. Um, and um, I think... The more we look at it, the more we realize that really this coronavirus situation needs to be resolved if we want our economy to be where it was, right? Which, unfortunately, honestly, I don't think it's going to be where it was. Um, I think, well, we'll have to get into it. I'm going to skip that for now because there's a lot of um, economic realities that we have to face. But the coronavirus is... uh, I would say the the immediate threat, um, and I think it's a topic that a lot of people have a hard time dealing with, because I think a lot of us, like I said, we were already in a position where it was, you know, um, you know, politics was already polarizing, right? You have the far right and the far left, and um, the conversation in the middle, right, where libertarians usually are. Um, libertarians and independents and, and moderates where these people can meet together and have some some similar conversations and agree on something to you know agree on some form these people are are just being totally outspoken by the far left and the far right and the far left far right game is a winner take all type of thing right um, it's all or nothing. And unfortunately, um, those types of things just they, you know, from a data standpoint, in terms of a historical standpoint, they don't last long. Right. Um, and I think, you know, group, you know, uh, groups that are coming up um, in the limelight, I think are going to realize that I think they're going to realize that um, we get you have an extreme view. But the reality is that they are, our, our system is too diverse and you're going to have to find um, a starting point, you know, and that starting point is uh, going to be something a little, it's going to be something a little bit more condensed. Um, and then we can obviously build ourselves out from there. But I think it's really important that, you know, one of the things that I've always tried to do myself is to be data-driven first, right? Um, and I don't want to say science-based, but um, definitely it's a, a major influence. And you want to look at evidence-based maybe. For a lot of people, maybe you're not looking at data or science and what does the research say, but maybe you're looking at evidence, right? Evidence in terms of what are the numbers being reported, um, what are professionals saying, right? Professionals in the field of whatever you're talking about. Um, you know, is there some type of consensus? What's the majority consensus? What's the, what's the minority consensus? Um, you know, looking at all those things, then you get a better idea of, of what the reality is of that situation before you even input your own idea. Um, but I think for sure data driven 
politics. I want to see, I mean, not even say politics, but it's like just data driven in general, you know, of most topics in my life. I really try to be a little bit more like that. Sometimes, most of the time, let me say, most of the time, you really get into a lot of libertarian fundamentals, you know, about economics, you know, healthcare, all the other stuff. And sometimes you don't, right? Sometimes we have ideas, you know, even we have to admit as as as, as us as libertarians is more theoretical than it is practical. And I think it's totally okay to admit that and say, you know, our ideal is this. But, you know, if we can um, do something that's in between or do something that gets us at least in the direction of that ideal, then I think that's a good concession, you know. Um, so I, I definitely don't want to um, advocate for extremism because I think those situations, um, you tend to drown out um, ideas, alternatives that could get you in a better position than you, instead of you just waiting for your utopia, right? You know, um, you're going to wait three, four hundred years for the utopian ideal that you want versus incrementally moving us in that direction of your idea, right? So I think that's something definitely that uh, libertarians should look at. Uh, but also, I think if you're not a libertarian, right? Uh, if you're conservative, if you're a liberal, progressive, you know, whatever it is that you're already feeling, um, try to find some middle ground. I think it's really important right now, especially with everything that's going on, the way our politics is, 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 is pushing through. Um, I think it's very important that we try to try to come together, you know. Um, we try to put our differences aside. We try to find that common ground, the middle ground, and get something going, you know. Um, even me, like, I think even as a libertarian, I think before this whole coronavirus thing, it was obviously limited government, right? Um, that was um, kind of the central theme that, most people think libertarians are is limited government or actually a lot of people think no government at all um, and I think we've covered some of these topics right that the the spectrum of libertarianism is very it's very broad in the sense that you have you know to the far far end of this of our spectrum is like anarcho-capitalists who believe in no government right no police no fire um, you know no federal government no state that each community on their own decides Who's gonna police? You know who's gonna do the policing? Who's gonna do the fire? Who's how you elect your own government? It's all volunteer, right? That's the whole one end, right? Then you have on the other end, people who are classically liberal, right? That who believe a government is important. That a government is for the people, right? For the people by the people, um, and that we are doing efficient government systems that help people more than it does hinder them, you know. And that it is protecting their individual rights from being infringed upon by the government. But they still believe in a government, you know. So you have this, like, you have this spectrum of, of belief. And um, no one person is right, you know. Um, these are all different views. These are all different views that all fold into this concept of libertarianism. Um, which is okay, right? It, and I think that's another part maybe we have to realize, especially nowadays that we're all kind of arguing with each other a lot, is that we don't have to agree with each other, right? And that Maybe that's not the end goal, is that I win my argument, right? Maybe, you know, if anybody knows me, 
I love a challenge. I love a good challenge, right? I love being challenged and I love challenging other people. To me, it's like a test, you know? Can't, what if, let me test this theory, right? What about this? What about this? What about this? You know, uh-huh, you know, have you thought about this? You know, and same thing for me, you know, when people push back on me, it's about testing the dynamics of your idea. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that conversation needs to be had um, right now. We need to be talking about these things, but we also need to understand that at the end of the day, um, these are our friends, our family, our community. Um, and even though maybe we kind of, you know, bust each other, each other's chops a little bit, maybe we're getting a little heated that we are at the end of the day, still a community, right? And we need to help each other out at the end of the day. So, um, just be careful. Now, obviously there's like trolls out there and you know, if sometimes you guys know out there, I'm a troll too. Like, especially when other people are trying to be trolls, <clears throat> I can... I control all day, right? <laughs> but I personally would prefer a an easier conversation about sharing ideas. Doesn't mean you have to agree with me. Doesn't mean I have to agree with you. But we're still going to have that conversation. And honestly, I think um, you know my experience. A lot of people sometimes they're a little bit bah humbug about bah humbug about it um, in the sense that they don't think anybody's going to change their mind. But honestly, I've I've probably seen um, people who who either this you know looked you know mess messaged me out and said hey i don't even know anything about this libertarian stuff it's really interesting you know um and i like what you say so now they're interested in, in learning more about what libertarianism is um and you know the libertarian platform i'm probably like the libertarian party platform i'm probably about 80 90 percent in line with them right so i'm totally okay with that i i don't expect anybody to be 100% with me, right? And that's okay, you know. I would prefer people to group together on common concepts and allow that flexibility for other for other ideas to come in. So I think that's where I really enjoy the conversations um, and, and what we can do about them. So I think coronavirus in general, you know, you look at the data, you look at the growing cases, the mortality rate, um, the infection rate, um, all that stuff. I think the best thing for people to do is look at this from a non-political lens, right? First look at what is the medical community saying, right? What is our county reporter saying, right? Or our judge, right? Um, what are the, what are the numbers? You know, what are they telling us? What are the, the professionals telling us to do in terms of medical? Um, and then then you insert your politics on the back end in terms of how to resolve it, what we need to do, etc. Right? I think that's okay. And but I think if you do it the other way, where you look at what are my political views and then how do I fit this into the reality of the situation, I unfortunately think, you know, people are gonna get themselves into trouble. And and obviously, you know, you know, libertarian is totally about vol- volunteerism. Um, so obviously these people have to decide for themselves what's best for them, right? Uh, but likewise, you know, the libertarian also, the libertarian view on the non-aggression principle, meaning I don't aggress or push onto people um, my own beliefs, but if they push back on me, I have the right to protect myself, right? I think there's a good, you know, good conversation there to 
possibly say, okay, you know, when we when we have people in the public sphere interacting with each other, we need to have some protections so so you don't violate somebody else's right, you know, um, right to freedom. And I think that you know, there's a good conversation. There's a good argument there to say. You know that people aren't wearing masks, people who aren't social distancing, people who are throwing parties and getting other people sick, that they need to be responsible, right? Or they need to have that barrier between you violating my rights um, because you think that you're free to do whatever, right? So I think there is a good conversation that needs to be had about what the rules look like in the public sphere versus your private home or your private business. Um, and I think, you know, so I think when we look at, you know, cases like the Houston area, who has a severe case of coronavirus and the infection rate is, is really high, um, when they put out mandatory mask orders, stay at home work orders, all that other stuff, I think as a libertarian, obviously, the, the initial flinch reaction is to go, that's my freedom to go out and do what I want, you know, when I want, etc., but when I think when you look at it from a practical standpoint, you say, okay, if I go out, you know, and somebody else has it, they're going to get it to me. And, you know, that, that, that violates my life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, right? Or the other way, right? The other way is, what if I have it and I get someone else sick? I am violating their right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So either way, you know, this mask order whether it's a mandate, right, or it's volunteer, needs to happen, right? Um, and then when you look at the medical advice to say these things help when you're out in public, um, like a regular cloth mask is okay. Um, um, obviously, if you're in a hospital, you need something more severe when you're around people who are sick. But if you're just walking around in a normal, normal environment around other people, this is the logical thing to do. So I think what I, what, I, what I try to tell people is regardless of whether a government entity is telling you to, to do, do this or not, wear a face mask, practice social distancing, stay at home um, if possible, I think that you need to use your common sense, right? You know, have some instinct for survival is kind of what I'm telling people. is like people who are refusing to wear a mask when they go out into stores or in public you know, for me, I'm like, do you have a survival instinct? Like, do you not want to not get sick or not get your family sick or potentially die? Like, where's your survival instinct? You know, that's what I say. So even at the individual level, I go, regardless of whether a government told entity told you to do it or not, you need to do it, right? Protect yourself, right? Self-protection, right? Self-protecting and protecting your family and protecting your home and protecting your health. Those are core libertarian concepts, right? So you need to make sure you are taking care of yourself, regardless of whether somebody's telling you to do it or not. You need to do it. Now, when we go into the weeds of, uh, you know, regional mandates or state mandates or federal mandates, then you go into what, what relationships do you have in terms of who is in charge of what? Um, and I think when, you know, when we were looking into the Texas law in terms of emergency management, you know, the county judge or the city 
does have that regional flexibility to say, hey, we're in an emergency, in an emergency mode, and we need um, some cooperation. Now, the state obviously can um, intercede, you know, the state governor or whatever, and say, um, we're going to allow it or we're not going to allow it. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I think it's, you know, very regionally specific, right? Because I think, especially for the state of Texas, you have some counties that are like, people are so far spread out from each other that um, the, the chances of them getting coronavirus are going to be very slim. But you have some other regions like Houston, San Antonio, the major populated areas where just how close and how quickly people interact with each other is going to create a problem, right? So I think the having the flexibility for at the state level to say statewide um you know counties and cities need to make their own judgments judgment judgments off of that and the state will provide the support for you know medical equipment testing etc i think that would probably be the best situation um and if each of those counties mandates it or doesn't um well then you have the uh, power and pressure to influence those local people to say our cases are getting bad you need to do something um and uh, you know in, in terms of you know violating um you know the obvious civil rights i don't think um wearing a mask does violate the civil rights i mean you have you can still own you can still um you know practice your religion or or, or speak you know speak in public you can you know, you can do it on Facebook, you can, you can do a Zoom, you, you still have the ability to, to express your ideas, you can still own, own your guns, right? The police can't, um, you know, go to your home without a, a warrant. All those things that are in the core of the Constitution, none of these are being violated by wearing a mask, right? Um, or asking people to be socially distant. So I, I think in terms of that nuance of how can we how can the government move in here i i think there's room for that um in terms of we need to get everybody to wear a mask you can still you know talk all you want you can still own a gun as long as we're not infringing on those right um i think we should be able to say hey look this is the minimum that we can do right we can wear a mask we can be socially social distance um, and we can minimize our, our movements. I think at the bare, bare minimum, um, that should be able to be done by libertarians, right? Especially if when you think about it in terms of you violating other people's right um, to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness by getting them sick, or other people getting you sick, and they're violating your right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness because you're getting sick. And we're seeing all the cases, you know, in terms of all the data, right? Um, you know, you know, uh, test test positive test cases are, are are skyrocketing, right? And the positivity rate is still really high, right? And the mortality rate, you know, mortality rate I think nationally is at like maybe four percent right now, and that's not good for a virus, right? You take the flu, our common influenza, um, the mortality rate of an influenza is like point zero zero one or point zero one or something like that, so. The scale from 0.01% to 4% is is massive, you know? So we definitely need to, I want to say all hands on deck, but for sure, right? As an individual, as a community, 
um, as our corporations, our companies, um, our, our, our governments, um, you know, state, local, and federal, they all need to be working together. And unfortunately, uh, it sounds weird for a libertarian to say that, but they need to work, they for sure need to work, right? And they need to allow um, each of those areas of pockets to, to contribute in their own way, right? Without impeding them. Um, and I think that cooperation is going to be able to get us out of the situation that we're in. And I think if anybody looks at the rate of, of progress um, in terms of positive cases, mortality rates, they're, they're just going through the roof. Um, and then, you know, if you look ahead, we have winter time. We have, you know, typical cold, flu, influenza, pneumonia, all those things that we deal with already that have already a, a human toll, those things are going to get compounded in the wintertime. So I think it's very imperative that whether we're libertarians or we're conservatives or progressives or liberals or whatever, that we try to work together. We find some common ground um, and, and try to work this out, right? We, we Obviously, we want to make sure that, you know, no no civil liberties are being violated um, in terms of being able to express our ideas or own a gun or, um, you know, that we're not um, being biased, you know, towards other people, prejudice, discrimination, all that stuff that we, people are still protesting right now for, um, that, um, that we make sure that we can navigate through this tough time because I really do think it's a unique time that we haven't experienced in, you know, over a hundred years and we're going to be going through that and we'll have to figure that out um as a group as as partners really right public private partnership right that's a libertarian idea um you know what can we do as a private you know what can we do privately what can we do publicly and then how can we work together that cooperation isn't happening just yet right obviously our politics are um you know, divisiveness, I don't want to call it divisiveness, but our polarization, right? You look at, you know, President Trump, you know, and the alt-right movement, you know, um, conservatives, they are completely, you know, in denial of the coronavirus situation. Um, and they're obviously fighting everybody else who clearly sees it, you know, and um, I think they're they're sending mixed, mixed messages about that. And I think it's going to bite them in the butt, right? Honestly. Uh, and then on the other side, we have economic realities. And this is the other part I wanted to get to was the economic reality of, you know, you look at the unemployment rate, you look at, you know, um, economic GDP loss, um, you look at the stock market, all these things are clearly in the negative. Um, and I think there's, there's a, a, a understandable reason that people want to open the economy back up, right? Because you don't want people to to um, to lose their jobs and you have a depression, right? There's obviously a clear fear of that. Um, so I think a lot of times people on that side who are just clearly focused just on the economics and not on the pandemic uh, that's going on, um, they want to push it, right? And say, hey, you know, we need to get this economy going. You know, there's kind of a, I don't want to say a hard nose about it, but yeah, there's some people that are like, People are going to die. Old people are going to die. It it happens every year with the flu or a new strain of, you know, SARS or whatever. Um, and so we should shut down our economy because of that. 
I think in terms of that argument, it's a very callous argument. I think it's a very um, inhumane um, argument. And I think those people view it as I'm just telling you the, you know, the truth that we're going to have to lose some people to get the economy back up, which is a terrible argument, right? That's the same argument that, you know, <laughs> communist Russia does to say, you know, we need, we need food supplies for the winter. So we're going to have to kill off 25 million people. That's not an argument you want to have. You know, that's not an argument you want to make um, ever, right? Um, we have ethics. We have morals. We have a care for humanity that we have to try. And so for that, I totally understand um, that people are worried about shutting the economy down and that people, um, you know, people... Um, People may die. That's what they, they're going to say. And it's like, I, I mean, if you think about the people who are most at risk, it's the elderly, right? The people who were probably closer to the last time we've had to experience something. It's people with experience um, on how to get through this. And we're just, you know, saying, okay, it's okay to throw them out because, you know, we need to push this economy out. Um, and I, I don't think that's a definitely, definitely not... A, a path libertarians want to go into is saying, you know, we have to make some sacrifices. That's like a very, <laughs> that's a very fascist, you know, communist argument, um, like not, you know, Russian communist argument, like, or Chinese, yeah, China, Chinese communist, right? Like, oh, well, you know, we have some food shortages, so we're gonna have to kill off a couple 25 million people to get there. Not an argument you want. Um, and it's not impossible. We need to find a way to help people get through this coronavirus pandemic and also get our economy back up. And I think there's some good arguments to say, if we are practicing, um, you know, social distancing, wearing face masks, um, going out with the essentials, um, maybe, you know, it seems like outdoors has less of a spread rate than indoors. So maybe we take our stuff outside or, um, you know, we if we can abide by these rules, we should be able to open the economy up in a relatively safe way. There's still risks, right? But at least you're reducing those risks um, and not having to, to put yourself at risk just to go and live a normal life. And same thing with our schools, right? There's a way for people to learn without putting themselves at risk. Um, and I think maybe we're not balancing that enough Um especially here in Texas. I know Texas TA was a big deal last week because they basically said, you know, students can have the option of online or in person. But I think when you look at the realities of, you know, the logistics of things is that schools aren't going to be ready by August, right? You know, I, I think about even my own job, right? You know, our work environment, our school's environments are designed for clustering people, you know, to squeeze as maximize the space, right? So you're fitting in 25, 30 people, 30 kids at a time. It's the same thing at work, right? You're trying to squeeze in people into like a cubicle situation. And there is no way you can guarantee that a spread won't happen in those places, you know? Especially with kids. You think about teenagers or middle schoolers or or even kindergartners. I mean, they they just they love connection with other people. So immediately they're gonna be hugging each other, getting close to each other. Um, and then they're going to, you know, if they carry something, they're going to give it to the teachers or, or if the teacher has something and they're going to give it to the kids. 
and if you have your teachers out, you know, and the recovery time, the recovery times are like 60 days for coronavirus, you know, what's going to happen if you have your entire teaching staff out? It, it's going to be, it's going to be a madhouse. So I think, you know, learning to adapt into a dynamic is very important right now. And uh, I think a lot of schools are leaning towards, um, you know, online learning because online learning is, 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 is just as plausible as any other type of learning. Um, and I think, unfortunately, I think President, President Trump always throws a bunch of tweets, but he, I think he was tweeting the other day that online, that we've learned online learning is ineffective. But that, you know, none of the research in education is saying that, right? Most of the education is, is research is telling you that it's doable. You know, we need more uh, research. We need more infrastructure. We need more um, focus on it to make it more effective. But students can learn in an online environment. And we all know that, right? Anybody, any adult knows that if they've done online university or, you know, online YouTube videos just to like make a dinner, right? Or learn how to do something. You just YouTube it and you figure it out. Like obviously the DIY projects don't come out as good as the experts, but that's about, you know, repetition and doing it again and again and learning from your mistakes. But I think for the most part, most adults know that we can do online learning. We've been doing it, you know, this, you know, ever since YouTube started, you know, Um, and there's a lot of great resources out there. So I think that argument that online education is not possible is, is a lie. Um, I think anybody who's done homeschooling knows it's possible. Anybody who's done online university knows it's possible. Um, and I think, I think the teachers, I, 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 you know, I have a personal bias because my wife is a teacher, but I have, you know, I think that teachers learning to, to teach online, like, you know, a video conference or, um, you know, sending out email materials or, you know, doing maybe like a YouTube instruction type of thing. I think it, I think that's good for teachers because you're learning, you know, new methods of how to teach, but also you're just focusing on teaching, right? And how to maximize each lesson, how to maximize the learning instead of a lot of teachers, unfortunately, have to babysit more than teach, you know, at school because they have to deal with the student's behavior versus just focusing on teaching. So teachers, I think, have a good opportunity to really hone in on how to teach. Um, and, you know, a lot of them already know how to do it. They just have to adapt it to a new environment. So I think it's a good way for teachers to focus on teaching and being good teachers. And then, for, and good or bad, uh, I think it's good for parents. Parents now have to be the way parents have done it for quite a while is they have to be the arbiter or, you know, the person that, that is monitoring their behavior. Um, cause I think, you know, most, especially recently, I mean, I feel like, I don't know if I'm just getting old, but I feel like parents recently in the last decade or two have like no responsibility for their kid, meaning they, they're passing off the responsibilities of raising their kids um, to the teachers. And that's not how it should be, right? The teacher should be teaching. And if their kid and kid gets in trouble, they're calling the parent and they're pushing that kid out of the class and saying, parent, you deal with this. And the parents are, should be the ones at home dealing with the disciplining of the kid. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen nowadays. You know, teachers are having to be the parent and the teacher at the same time. So I think this is probably a good thing that parents 
learn to parent again, you know? I hate to say it, but, you know, discipline your kids. Tell them no. Um, you know, give them a good environment of, of rules, you know, um, and then slowly build them out of it. Um, but I think this is a good opportunity to reassess what we're doing and why we're doing it, um, especially in this, in this, you know, pandemic situation. Um, and these are things that people had to deal with, like I said, over a hundred years ago, right? In the last, you know, you know, last, you know, pandemic, Spanish flu and the Great Depression and all this other stuff, you know, kids were homeschooled, you know, um, kids, moms and dads had to balance, you know, uh, having a family and going to work um, and, you know, giving kids responsibility because they couldn't be there all the time. You know, they had to leave. They had to go to work. So this, these kids were going to be at home on their own. So they have to figure out, you know, how to be responsible. And I think a lot of that is, is good. Um, ultimately, I think maybe maybe we drifted too far from that, you know, especially about helping each other out and not being so selfish. Um, I think I think we're really going to take a turn for that. And um, I think it's like, I don't know, I say it's being positive, but it's like trying to find the good things and the bad. It's something I just, and, and I naturally do. And I think a lot of people even you know, on my social media stuff, I'm, I'm posting a lot, um, in terms of the growth rate of positive cases, the mortality rates, um, you know, the, the warning signs that we are not paying attention. I post, I post a lot of that because I feel unfortunately that a lot of people are still, um, being a little bit ignorant, a little bit, um, high risk. And, uh, unfortunately, well, fortunately I care about you know, my friends and my family, even though they don't agree with me, but I do care about them and I want them to be safe. And if they're doing unsafe behavior, um, you know, I do have the feeling to intervene, um, you know, depending on how dangerous, obviously, but, you know, if somebody was drunk driving, you wouldn't let them get in the car, right? Um, likewise, if somebody's not wearing a mask, you know, please wear a mask, you know, at least ask you know i don't think you should be afraid to ask people hey can you wear a mask please um you know stuff like that i think uh, obviously if they say no if they say whatever um then you know that's i think for the mask thing that's as as much as you can go but i I know some people who are like they're in a restaurant or a store who says please wear a mask and these people aren't wearing a mask and they go to the manager and tell them i I, that's fair right um, so you just gotta be, you just gotta be careful. Um, lots of layers of a lot of things going on. And again, I do want to apologize for, uh, not, um, posting something sooner, but things have been, it's, we're in the new, we're in a new reality, right? This is our new lives. Who knows how long it's going to be. Um, I don't think it's short term. Maybe I could see a good, you know, year to two years of effect, meaning, who knows when this is going to go away or when we can go back out and live normal lives. But for now, this is our new reality. And I think that was for me, the mental switch, right? For me, I was thinking this is temporary and when is it going to be over? And I was stressing out about prolonging this temporary. Um, and I think once I realized accepted, I would say more like this is our reality for the time being. I think the stress, I want to say the stress went away. Stress is always there, but in terms of accepting it and saying, hey, this is how it is now, you know, I have to stay home. I have to wear a mask if I go out. I have to be socially distant. 
you know, birthdays and celebrations, we're going to have to put those on the back burner for now, right? I can't, we can't interact the way we used to, but, but we can find ways to do that, right? I mean, thank God we live in this world now with technology and internet and television and Zoom and house party and all these other things that we still have an ability to interact with each other virtually, right? In some ways that we don't actually meet in person. I can't even imagine what it was like during, you know, during the depression or during this, you know, influenza, uh, sorry, the Spanish flu. I can't even imagine what it was like out there because you couldn't do anything. You had nothing, right? You just had books and the family you were living with. And um, I'm sure people got so stir crazy that they took risks, risks that they shouldn't have. But I mean, thank God we live in this modern century where you have internet, you know, internet just in general, right? And then you have, you know, television, movies, you know, um, I, me personally, right? I'm a huge comic book fan. You can see everything behind me. Um, you know, we have comic books delivered to us. We have our groceries delivered to us. Apple TV, Netflix, House Party. We've got social media, you know. We've got this YouTube video, right? I have so many ways to interact with people for now that it's going to have to do. And I think that's, for me, was the mental switch. Was, this is how it's going to be for now, right? Integrate, engage virtually. Try to stay home. Obviously, I, I still go out for some small things. Um, but when I do, um, I'm making sure I'm wearing a mask. I make sure I'm socially distant. Um, if, you know, if a place is crowded, I, I try to avoid it. Or if a place is, you know, people not wearing masks, I'm not going to go in there. So try to make some personal judgments out there. Don't let politics drive your decisions. Make your own personal safety the driver for your decision. Um, and obviously the well-being for your family and yourself and your loved ones. And that means both, right? You have to figure out a way. You have to figure out the balance between health, safety, and your economic situation. So um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But I think it will really help us pull together the way it did with those generations ago, you know, where they, you know, they experienced all this stuff right before World War II, you know, so it was almost like, it was an interesting culmination, you know, that you had all these troughs um, that people had to get through. um, And it really helped pull the family together, pull the communities together, um, get that concept built in that we all are contributing something um, to the to the community, right? And making some sacrifices, individual sacrifices. And then you get into World War II and you have the greatest generation, you know, of people who, you know, didn't want to go to war, but they knew they need to, you know, to stop this great evil. So hopefully this turns us into the people we need to be, you know, versus the people of the 80s and 90s and the early 2000s, you know, just the people who have never seen um, a depression, never had to make any sacrifices, never had to help each other. There was just so much bounty and plentifulness that um, I think it made us a little bit um, asleep at the wheel. So anyways, just wanted to say, hey, um, hope everybody's doing okay out there. Um, I'm going to try to get back into it. Um, I think, you know, in terms of my energy and my mood and all this other stuff, I, I finally have... I'm finally finding the balance of when I can do this stuff versus, um, you know, having it I, normally in my schedule is I would do it, you know, um, on Fridays, 
um, you know, you know, get up and clean the house and do some chores. And then I would be like, all right, I got the energy. Let's, let's do a podcast, you know? Um, and then I think lately it's just, I realized my energy pattern has changed. Um, so we're going to try, we're going to try to see if maybe Sundays I'm, I'm posting all this on Sunday and then, um, you know, sharing it out on social media on Mondays. Um, but we'll see, we'll find the rhythm of how things work and try to get back into the guru of things. Cause I know there's, um, you know, a lot of people sitting at home, a lot of people trying to find a way to engage people engage others um, and get into the conversation. And I think that's a really good thing. We really, I definitely miss my interaction with, you know, my friends physically, right? You know, going out and talking to them, going to the libertarian, local libertarian happy hour and things like that. But we have to find a way to adapt for now. Um, And I think virtual is the way to go. So find ways to engage virtually. Um, Try to find some ways to have fun at the house. Um, try to go out, try to find things that are entertaining to go out that don't involve interacting with people a lot. Like we were talking about visiting the Museum of Natural Science or the Art Museum or going out to a national, uh, to a state park and stuff like that. So ways that, that you can be out but still not be at risk um, being clustered with other people. So anyways, um, lots of stuff going on. Um, we didn't even get to the BLM protests um, George Floyd, all that stuff. Another very important topic. Um, you know, the, the foundation of, of libertarians is civil liberties, right? And we see that, you know, with George Floyd and all these, all this violence um, from law enforcement in terms of interacting with, uh, with communities, there's so many layers into that that I think that's probably going to take its own topic that um, we will probably explore on the next one because I think it's going to take the whole time, right? Um, <clears throat> but I think foundationally we understand that libertarianism is fundamentally about the state not violating individual rights, and that means life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And when we look at how the state has set up our law enforcement to interact in the aggressive way that they do with our communities, like the African-American community, Latino, you know, illegal immigrants, you know, stuff like that. The state has really put themselves in collision course with our communities. And I think we really need to look at that in in multiple layers, Um, not just the obvious inherent bias, you know, towards African-American and Latinos, but obviously how we how we've created a system to put our law enforcement at odds with our community and ways in which we can resolve that because i think libertarians have been from the very get-go from the foundation have been talking about this for a while before republicans and democrats even came on board with a criminal justice reform or or uh, police department, um, you know, audits and, you know, um, stuff like that. But it's, it's, there's a lot of stuff that's layered into that, that's baked into that, that we need to discuss. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to start another one just specifically on George Floyd, um, Black Lives Matters, all that stuff. I think we're going to have a very specific um, video about that because there's a lot going on. It's not black and white, right? It's not one person is 100% right, what the other person is 100% wrong. There's shades of shades of issues that we have to discuss. 
and we need to have a, a more fair and balanced perspective on that. Uh, I hate using Fox terms, Fox News terms. Fox News is terrible. But anyways, um, so anyways, thanks everybody for watching. I'm here. I'm alive. I'm getting through this. Hopefully you're getting through this. Um, leave a comment, like, share, subscribe, all that stuff. Um, like I said, I mean, now's the time to engage virtually, um, have discussions online, YouTube, Facebook, um, everywhere, right? Engage those, those facets, engage those conversations, engage with people you don't agree with. I think that's probably the healthiest thing versus just being in an echo chamber and, and talking to people that, that agree with you. Um, you can really veer off from reality from that point. So, um, engage with people. Engage people you don't agree with as long as you do it respectfully. I think that's the most important part. So anyways, see you all soon. See you on the next one. Bye.